Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. Well, good morning, church. Such a joy to be with you. You guys heard me, but live stream wouldn't hear me, so I have to use a mic. It's great to be here today, and man, uh, what a joy to be able to be in a church where the Spanish and the English are one church. Isn't that awesome? And um, that is the vision of our pastor. I'm thankful for Pastor Armstrong, and um, he is a blessing. Amen. And um, he's been a blessing to my wife and I, a true friend, a mentor, uh, and we are privileged to just serve you uh, in this wonderful church week in and week out, full time. Just think about that. I get paid to read, study, talk to people, and preach. Isn't that awesome? You can't get that at Amazon. <laughs> it's, it's such a joy to be able to preach with you and be with you this morning. Uh, I want to ask you to please turn your Bibles uh, over to Philippians chapter 1. This week, I went to a different kind of church uh, just to see, and uh, they had two messages, and the preacher never one time said, please turn into your Bibles. Not one time. Isn't that incredible? We're in a church that week in and week out, the pastor always says, hey, get your Bibles, get them out. And by the way, there's lights so that you can read your Bible. All right, we don't turn them off, we keep them on so that you can actually read your Bible with us. So Philippians chapter 1, Philippians, it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Philippians, for those that are trying to find it, uh, Philippians 1, and I want to encourage you to read with me verses uh, 12 through 18. So pardon my English, I don't use it too often, so I hope that today my accent doesn't come out too much. Check out Philippians 1 verse 12, here's what the Word says, but I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and either in do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. The truth is this, church, many times as we walk the Christian life, as we seek to honor the Lord, as we uh, set some standards in our life and some regular practices, sometimes we just fall into just the rut of life. And we forget to examine our lives to what the Scripture has told us to do. Here's the truth. The Scriptures we're going to learn today have commanded us to be a gospel promoter evangelize, seek to tell others about my faith. Now, everybody that we speak to will not decide to follow Jesus. I think many of us that have been in the faith for many years know that. But as we walk in life, concentrated on all the things we have to do, and when we go to the grocery store, you have that list, right? And you're just going down aisle by aisle, and there's hundreds of people that literally go by every single day. And as believers, many times we fail to do what the Lord has told us to do, to share 
our faith in every single way that we can with everybody that we can. So today, I am not going to challenge you to do anything new. I'm going to challenge you to do what you have stopped doing. Be a gospel promoter. So that's my title this morning. I want to challenge you through the word this morning, verse by verse, just to be a gospel promoter of the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you today just for the joy you give us to spend time together freely around your word in this church, gathered together to listen intently to what you want to tell us. I pray that as we open your word and examine it, that you would, the Holy Spirit would guide our hearts back to what the scripture says, and then do a checkup on our lives. Have we just fallen into the rut of life? Lord, are we desirous of hearing from you and desirous of you changing us and wanting you to work in our hearts so that we may become more like Christ every single day of our lives. We love you, and I pray that your word may challenge us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. A few weeks ago, church, we joined together, Spanish and English, to celebrate the 63rd anniversary of our church. Some of you have been here 63 years. Some of you have been here a little bit after that. And many of you have had the privilege of enjoying every single season of this church. I had the privilege of being a part of that service and listening to Pastor preach. And I think I remember the passage that Pastor spoke from. It's actually Philippians chapter 1 verses 9 through 11. How many of you remembered that before I said it? Now, don't lie. God is watching, and you're in church, right? All right, don't lie. Uh, I think the majority of us, uh, maybe, I hope, remembered that pastor preached that morning on continuing slowly. And in those verses, he pointed out that Paul prayed and loved the church of Philippi, and he was challenging them to continue in their Christian walk, first of all, in verse 9, with abounding love. Can I take you to verse number 9? It says, and this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. So pastor said, church, if we're going to continue, our love must abound for everybody, even that guy that you don't really like. Uh, He sits over here and you sit over there. We must love everybody in our church. Love must abound if we are going to continue. In verse 10, pastor said this. He said that Paul challenged the church to live an approving life, a life of excellence, a life that is according to the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye may approve, verse 10, the things that are excellent. And Paul challenged the church then to produce fruits that are worthy of that. If we are loving, if we are seeking to honor God with our lives, then our actions, our words, our fruit will be in accordance to what we are saying that we believe that we believe. So Paul challenges the church to be exactly like Christ. So pastor said this that Sunday, we must continue acting like Christ, loving like Christ, and approving the things that Christ would approve. Now listen, church. We must understand that if we are going to continue, then everything must be centered upon the thing that began everything, which was the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, our Christian life begins with the gospel and then continues centered upon the gospel. You say, Pastor Bell, what is the gospel? What does the gospel mean? Well, the gospel is the message of forgiveness and salvation found in the church, right? No. Found in the saints, in the sacraments. No, it is found alone in the person 
of Jesus Christ. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Everything, I want to remind you this morning, everything, every part of the Christian walk begins with the gospel. Can you quote John 3.16 with me this morning? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now church, this is the gospel. And because everything begins with the gospel, I want to propose to you that everything in our lives must continue through the gospel this morning. Now listen, listen. A lot of you have heard the word gospel for 40 years. Some of you for two months. The truth is this. If God has given me the gospel, I have two options. I keep the gospel. Some of you are very good keepers. You hold it tightly. You keep it nicely. I mean, it's intact in your life. But we have a second option with the gospel. It is to further the gospel, to give the gospel, to promote in every single way that we can the gospel. Some of you aren't afraid to say what political party you are a part of, but you are afraid of promoting the gospel? Hmm. I would venture to say the gospel is 10 times more important. So I want to center the thought this morning around this proposition. God wants to use you to promote the gospel. You say, me? Absolutely. God wants to use you to promote the gospel. You say, no, no, the pastors of the church can do that. Those deacons, they can do that. No, no, God wants to use every single person in this church to be a gospel promoter. Now listen, the, the main goal of promoting the gospel is not that people join this church. That is not the main goal. The main goal is so that everybody in this world can hear the gospel first, then be transformed, then join a good church. Many times we think, well, I'm going to do something just to bless my church. No, church, let me say something this morning. You promote the gospel in obedience to the command of Jesus Christ. So in this passage, the Apostle Paul is talking about promoting the gospel. And I want to give you four principles this morning that I find in this passage that will challenge us to consider how we can be involved. I said we, not me. We can be involved in furthering the gospel and promoting the message of the hope found in Jesus Christ. Number one, ready? Number one, the gospel of the Lord is furthered through your trials. This is the first principle. I want you to understand that the gospel of the Lord is furthered through your trials. I want you to look at verse number 12 with me this morning, please. But I would, you should understand, brethren, listen now, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Paul says that the things that are happening to him have happened so that the gospel may be promoted through his life in that particular situation. Now, there's no doubt that almost everyone in our room today had one or another trial during COVID. How many of you had COVID? Raise your hand. Let's see. Look at that. Wow. How many of you are alive? Raise your hand. Let's oh, good, good. I'm glad you're alive this morning. Now, in fact, many of, many of you, many are facing maybe a trial or two. Maybe you're still recovering from COVID. Many other situations, maybe you lost your job. Maybe you didn't have right finances, etc. And I would venture to say that we all know people, if we're not facing trials, that did 
face trials. And some of you that are a bit older than I am, just a little bit older, would know that trials are a part of life. Some of you say, man, it is my daily bread, those trials, right? We all go through trials. It is a part of life. There is no stopping a trial from coming to your life. Now, some of you have harder trials than other people, but all of us at one point in our life would face something that we do not want to face. Nobody likes trials. In fact, uh, can I tell you this morning that the Lord never promises to keep us free from trials? Now, in the Spanish world, there's a church that I want to talk to you about. There's this church that's called Pare de Sufrir. That means the church of stop suffering. That's the name of the church. Their idea is this. When you come to Christ, you will stop suffering. How many of you know that's not true? Right? It's not. The Bible never promises that when you come to Christ, all the problems will go away. Everything will be a color rose. doesn't happen. We continue to face trials. Actually, in the Bible, we find exactly the opposite. Check out what 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. The Bible says in John 16.33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Trials are a day-to-day business. One day everything is going good, one day everything goes bad. Everything seems to go well, then a trial hits. And by the way, Paul was an expert at this. The guy, I mean, he had everything under the sun. He had shipwreck, and he was beat, and he was incarcerated. He had trial after trial after trial. So here's what I want to tell you this morning. Since we cannot change the fact that we will have trials, we must then change our perspective and our attitude toward our trials. That's, that's the secret. We, we will have trials. So it's not, can I eliminate this trial? Can I eliminate this problem? Can I take away all the issues of my life? You cannot. So the truth is that we can only change our mind, our perspective, our outlook on the trials. God has promised, church, that for believers, trials are God's good working in us. Think about that. Every time you face a trial, every time you face a burden, every time you face an issue, God has promised this. If you love God, it is God working in your life. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So listen up. Paul is in prison. How many of you are glad that you're not in prison this morning? <laughs> I'm... Some of you are like, well, they give me three meals. I take, no, no, no. You do not want to be in prison, okay? I know people that have been in prison. There's people in this church that have been in prison, and they're happy to not be in prison. God has changed their lives. Isn't that amazing? Paul is in prison not for a crime. He's in prison for preaching the word. And they're in prison in Rome, in Rome while he is in house arrest. If you look later in your time at Acts 28, verses 30 to 31, Luke tells us where Paul is. He's in prison. He's in house arrest. There Paul is sitting, and he writes to the beloved church of Philippi to encourage them to stand firm in the faith. Can you believe that? A guy in prison is challenging a free church to continue steadfastly in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is there, and he's writing, and he says, but I would, he should understand, brethren, please, church, understand that the things that I'm experiencing are, are being experienced by me so that the gospel may continue. 
Paul had a different perspective. Paul did not see the trial as a motive to stop sharing the gospel, but as a motive to becoming more of a gospel promoter. Instead, he sees his trials as an opportunity to promote the gospel to different groups of people. Listen, church, Paul was in the palace. He had the opportunity to impact people that he did not have the opportunity to impact before he was in the palace. Before he was being guarded by the people. 2 Timothy 2.8, here's what Paul says. 2 Timothy 2.8, Paul says, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto my bonds. Ready? But the word of God is not bound. Here's what Paul says. I'm in prison. I don't want to be in prison I'd rather be with you guys in the church of Philippi, but God has me here in this moment. And in this moment, I will be a gospel promoter. Church, we can face trials, and yes, we can cry at times, and yes, sometimes we have to stop and refocus, but friend, every trial is an opportunity to make the gospel of our Lord shine. Now listen, some of you have cancer. I don't have cancer. That means that I don't have to go to a doctor to get treatment, but you probably do. That means that you can reach that nurse and that doctor better than I can in the midst of that trial. Some of you have dialysis every week. I might never meet your dialysis nurse or doctor, but you know them. And God has placed you in that situation specifically to reach the person that I cannot reach. Some of you had a flat tower this week. You had a grand opportunity to be a testimony to the tow guy, to the discount tower guy, no, no, sorry, Costco guy, no, no, sorry, the guy in the corner, whoever you want to choose. You have a grand opportunity in every trial, in that moment, to choose to either do two things, be bitter or share the gospel of Christ. Every single person, every single moment. My friend, please listen. We must have a mindset that leads us not to just give a track, but to actively share our faith with the people around us. There's a beloved pastor that just passed away. I I knew him since I was a kid. Actually, he knew my parents since 1992. I was born in 1994. Some of you are like, I graduated college in 1994. I know. Everybody tells me that same thing. You look great for 27. All right, anyhow. uh, So here's what happened. This, This man got cancer all of a sudden. 73, 74, strong preacher, strong church, many years of ministry probably left ahead. And he... Went to the hospital and started getting treatment, and he died in about three months. Now listen, I remember getting a video from his family. His name was Jose Mayen. And Jose Mayen, while he was just weak and his body was consumed by cancer, he was sitting in bed holding his nurse's hand, just sharing the gospel with her, saying, you know, I just want you to know that God has me here so that I can speak to you about the gospel. You see, Jose Mayen was ready to see the Lord, but the nurse was not ready to see the Lord. She needed to hear the gospel from a cancer-filled man, and she did. Now, she doesn't have an excuse now. She didn't get saved, but the Holy Spirit will be working in her heart will be working in her heart because of the seed that was planted by Jose Mayen days before he went to the Lord. Now, church, here's what I'm saying. 
God allows trials in your life as an opportunity to reach those that are hurting like we are and to further the gospel through our actions. So question, what trial are you going through? What other people around you are going through the same trial that you are that you can reach just because you are going through that trial? So number one, the gospel is furthered in our trials. Number two, the gospel of the Lord is furthered through bold Christians. Look at verse 13 and 14. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many, many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Boldness. What does boldness mean? Boldness means this. It's showing an ability to take risks, being confident and courageous. The truth, my friend, is that courage must be the quality of every believer. There is no fear in Christianity in the sense of being bold. God has called us to be bold as a lion, wise as a serpent. May I remind you that the world hates our message. Did you know this? You know the world hates what we believe and what we do and what we're doing today? Some people are just passive about it. But listen, the world is becoming more and more aggressive towards people that believe what we believe. They don't like us at all. So it's going to take some boldness for us to stand. Right now, it's free. Why not anybody can come? Everything's liberty, liberty. But listen, friend, it might be taken away at any moment. This week, um, I read on the news that a mom, K-5 mom, uh, asked the director of the school to give her a PDF of the curriculum that the school was going to use. And the school union decided to sue the mom for asking about what her child was going to be taught in the school. It's a crazy world. That's why you should have your kids in TBA, but, you know, that's another subject. Hey, man. All right. There you go. I was just promoting the ministries of our church. <laughs> we must remember that we are enemies of the philosophy of this world. We're enemies. If we will further the cause of Christ, then we must stand boldly. Now notice, I did not say stand unlovingly. I did not say stand with a mean attitude. I did not say be unkind. I said be bold. Some of you try to be bold on Facebook and you turn out to be unkind. Yeah, you. Yeah, me. Sometimes my wife has to be like, hey, you should probably erase what you just commented. I said, everything's good. And then, you know, I listen and I submit and I erase it. God has not called the Christian church to be unloving. He has called the Christian church to be bold, not unloving. We must show the love of Christ with a bold stance. What is true, we stand for what is true. When we need to show love, we show love. But always with the heart and the compassion of Jesus Christ. Now notice, church, that Paul is saying this. Many of the brethren in the Lord are being bold. Now listen why. Listen why. He says, because of my bonds. Here's what Paul is saying. Because I, the leader, took a firm stance when I was in trial, many of the people around me, many of those that follow me are looking at me and are saying, well, if Paul is in prison 
and he can be bold, then I am free. Why can I not be bold? If my, my friend that's facing cancer is being bold, how can I that am healthy? Am I not standing bold for the cause of Christ? It's incredible that Paul says that the attitude and that the example of him, of Paul, was challenging others to stand firm for the cause of Christ. Now listen up, church. Could it be that we are losing a young generation because the older generation is not being bold enough for the faith? Bold parents will produce bold Christian kids. Weak Christian parents will produce weak Christian kids. And it's generation after generation. And if we lose our children, we lose our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. Paul says this, I stood firm. Some of you that have been here longer should be the first ones to take a stand. I will stand for the gospel. I will promote the gospel. Here, here's always the excuse. Ready, ready? Here's the excuse. Well, I have done it for 40 years. Why, doesn't the, why don't the young people start doing it now? Well, who said that there was a limit of age? There is no limit of age. You stand firm until the day that Christ takes you up to glory. Until then, you have a responsibility to be a promoter of the gospel. Boldly, with your attitude, with your actions, with your mouth. Everywhere you go, we should act, walk, and talk the gospel. Every single place we go to. Be bold. Paul is saying that the church took up the same, the same passion that he did. The world may ridicule you. The world may make fun of you. But listen, church, we don't do it for the world. We do it for his glory. Paul says this in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the, to the Greek. In 2 Timothy verse 1 and verse 12, here's what Paul says. He says, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Why? Because I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So here's what I'm saying this morning. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Church, listen up. They're going to try to get the church to be afraid because they hate what we do. You stand firm. You be bold. You suffer the afflictions as a good man of God. And you stand firm. And in the end, here's what's going to happen. We'll receive the kind of glory. Everything will be fine. Now, you might not have as nice of a car as you do right now. We might have to meet in a hole somewhere. But it's not about this world. It's about that world. It's about glory. So in the middle of it, while I'm going through trials, I stand firm for the gospel. In the middle of it, I am bold. Don't be afraid. Instead, look for every opportunity. Number three this morning, the gospel of the Lord is furthered through the unrighteous. This is interesting. Look at verses 15 through 17. Some, indeed, preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely. Ready? Supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. I've stated multiple times that we live in a crazy world. There's no doubt that the depravity around us is unheard of. We have declined morally, spiritually, mentally, in every single capacity. Some of you are seeing things that you never thought that you would see in your lifetime. The way schools are run today, you would have, it's not even close to the way when you went to public school. 
Totally different. What's taught, said, what we read on the news, what we read from, it's crazy. But in the midst of everything that is going on, listen up, church, we must remember that God is sovereign. Some of you are trembling. Some of you are afraid of what's happening in the world, literally. Some of you are afraid of losing your home, your 401k, your life, your stability, your job. We're afraid of losing everything. Can I remind you that Paul lost everything? He didn't have anything to his name. He was in prison. He gave everything up for the cause of Christ. And because this world is unrighteous, you and I must be ready to do the same thing. It's hard in America. Now, if you go to Myanmar, you notice that they give a lot up. You go to different countries, your mind starts changing. But here in America, giving up something, why? Why do I need to give up something? And we're going to fight for our rights, and that's okay too. But church, I'm telling you, one day, they'll win. The world's going to take over, unfortunately. It's part of the plan of God, unfortunately, for this world. This world is going to be so corrupt before the coming of the Christ that it is going to be unimaginable, unfortunately. So as Christians, we need to see this. Ready? We need to understand that even through the unrighteousness in the world, the gospel of the Lord is being promoted. Here's what's amazing, is when somebody that's unrighteous does something against the will of God, against the work of God, he doesn't know it, but somewhere or another, God is promoting his gospel to someone, somewhere, at some time. Here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, while the people are trying to put me in prison, to shut me up, to not allow me to promote the gospel in Philippi and in Corinth and in Macedonia and in, and in the area of Galatia. While they're doing that, here's what I'm doing. What they are doing through their righteousness is allowing me to preach the gospel to the people in the palace. You see that? Paul wasn't afraid. Paul said, okay, well, they beat me over here, so I'll go to Corinth. Well, they beat me in Corinth, so I'll go to Galatia. Well, they beat me in Galatia, so I'll go over here. And through the unrighteousness, here's what happened. Literally, the gospel was dispersed throughout the whole region of that minor Asia. The Bible says that in Acts. Read Acts. The Bible says that Paul went from here to here to here. And in Lystra, they, they beat him. And over there, they beat him. Here, give me, let me give you an account of what happened to Paul. In Acts chapter 4, this is a short one. Paul was stoned for preaching the gospel. In Acts 17, Paul was imprisoned in Philippi. In Acts 21, Paul was persecuted by the Jews. In Acts 22, Paul was beaten by the Romans. In Acts 28, Paul was placed in prison. And ultimately, Paul was a martyr of the cause of Christ. Because Paul had obeyed the Lord, he was hated by those. Now, why is Paul hated? Listen up. Paul was a Pharisee. Paul, before he got saved, was a man given over to Judaism. And Paul was one of the best ones ever. Paul knew the law. Actually, Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 that he kept the law that he could blamelessly. Wow. This is a good guy. But Paul then was used by those people also to persecute the Christians because of his zeal for Judaism. And now that he turned to Christ, and now that he turned his life over to the Lord, and now that he became a believer, the people that used to love Paul hated Paul. So they started persecuting him. They started beating him. They started doing everything they could to stop the gospel from being furthered. And all they did was promote the gospel more. <laughs> promote the gospel more. 
further the gospel more. And while the United States people are not coming to church, in China the gospel is just spreading like wildfire. Do you guys know that? There's missionaries going to Taiwan, and underneath the ground the people are listening to the gospel, and, and, and if they come in and find them, they'll be dead. But there's people just promoting the gospel. And mother missionaries are rising up. And churches are harder to find in the United States today. But man, if you go to Peru, you go to, you go to Mexico, you, you go to Nicaragua, there's another church being built. Listen, church, the unrighteous cannot stop the gospel from being furthered. They don't have that power. God is the owner of the gospel. I want you to understand that the gospel of the Lord cannot be stopped by any power on the earth. Here's what Christ said. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Satan doesn't have power of the church. You are the church. You have a message. You have the gospel. And God has called you to promote that message in this world. Listen, can I just say something that might sound a little bit weird? United States is not the world. A lot of times we think that. Yeah. Sometimes I think that. When I was in Puerto Rico, I thought Puerto Rico was the world. It's only three million people. This is not the world. What's happening here is not happening everywhere else. Here it might be getting harder. Other places are opening up. I want you to understand, church, don't measure the world by what's happening here. Be careful of doing that. Sometimes we do that. Now, we know there's things that are happening all around us, right? COVID is taking over everything. But there's other things that are different. Churches are being promoted. Why? Because the church might not be moving as fast as they did in the United States, in America. But the church is not going to be stopped in the world. The church will continue. We have a promise of an eternal dwelling and hope. Here's what happens. Ready? Sometimes... We get so earthly-minded that we forget this truth. We're on our way to heaven. Did you know that every day you are dying? Every day you're dying. Some of you are like, man, I look at my mirror. I look more dead this morning than yesterday. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's true. We're dying. We're, on, we're in the world of the dead going to the world of the living. I tell my people in the Spanish often, isn't it amazing that our true citizenship is in heaven? It is. It's more important than the green card. It's more important than the documentation. Our, our, listen, our citizenship is in heaven, not here. We want to change everybody. Listen, church, we will never change the whole world. Here's what we can do. We can change one person. You can help change one person. You can help change one person. You can help change one person. Imagine if all of us, today on, decided to speak to somebody every single week about the message of the gospel. That would transform our city. That would transform our church. But listen, it would transform you. The gospel is furthered in the midst of our trials. The gospel is furthered by bold Christians. The gospel is even furthered by the ones that are trying to stop it. So number four, ready? The gospel of the Lord is being furthered. Rejoice. Rejoice. Some of you need to smile. Since COVID started, you haven't smiled. Smile. 
Have a good time in life. Everything's gonna be good. But pastor, my trial, it's never gonna stop. Remember that part of the message? It's gonna keep coming. So in the midst of it, you smile. There's a song, I'm not gonna sing it. <laughs> That's a smile. I'm looking at Tabitha over here. We were singing it the other day. Smile. When things go wrong, you just smile. Let me tell you, church, this. Ready? We may not rejoice because of our situation, but we can rejoice in our situation because we know the gospel is moving forward. I might not rejoice because of what's happening in my life, but in the midst of what I'm going through, I can rejoice. Because the gospel is being furthered. The message is moving forward. And by the way, that is all that matters. It's not me. It's not about me. Sorry to bust your, your bubble. It's not about you. It's about the gospel of Christ moving forward. So until that stops, we must rejoice. And when will it stop? Never. Because he's doing it. He's using you. He's using me, he's using other Christians around the world to promote his gospel. So while the gospel is moving forward, all Christians smile. When COVID is happening, we smile. When the government is saying, we're going to take your rights away, we smile. Because he's sovereign, not the government. He's sovereign, not you, not me. And all we do is while the Lord has us here, we are simple gospel promoters. The way we drive, the way we talk, the way we walk, what we say, the way we treat the waitress after church, in every single way, we simply promote the gospel. Here's my question. Are you promoting the gospel? Or are you more concentrated on what's going on in your life? Are you promoting the gospel? Are you a gospel promoter? Church, we must be a gospel promoter. I'll give you the last blank there. Because nothing can stop the church from moving forward. Nothing. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Pastor, when can I stop being a gospel promoter? When the whole world has heard. They haven't. So are you doing your part? Be bold. In the midst of your trials, reach people that nobody else can reach. And remember, the unrighteous don't have power over you. He has ultimate power over you. And he will use any means to promote his gospel to the ends of the world until he wants to follow.